Break the Cycle with DSD, episode number 28. Hey guys, this is going to be a standalone podcast. I'm going to kind of do this just off the cuff. It's a topic I want to, I want to hit, and I think it's, uh, it's important. And periodically, throughout the life of this channel, I will receive emails from people who are at their wits end. People who are, who are fighting the fight, they're basically getting sucker punched every, every chance or every time they turn around, and they're not sure what to do. I think most of us go through this situation or go through this experience where we feel defeated, where we feel that what's the point, why do we keep fighting, and what is the right the right course of action that we're supposed to take. This is a very personal topic. It's very individual depending on each person's particular situation, where they're at emotionally, mentally, the specifics of their situation. But I think all of us, no matter what, go through a phase where We just feel like we can't endure anymore. This topic was inspired by an email I received from a viewer, an active viewer who does participate in in comments and stuff. And they are at that mode. They've fought the fight. They've hired the attorney. They've gone through all the steps and they've basically lost. They have had their day in court with a judge that was told to them or said that that was pro-mom and that it was going to be a long pole in the tent to achieve any positive outcome in their case, in his case. He has his day in court He has his evidence lined up. And as is so typical from many of the viewers that I've chatted with over the years, over the three years of being in this channel, and and then time before that with friends and associates who have gone through the same type of thing. At the end of the day, in this particular case, the judge sided with the ex the judge said no for more time you'll have less time and ignored every piece of information that this individual had now my typical response in a situation such as this would be go check out alex falcone's channel the proper person and learn about court procedures, learn about appeals, learn about the process that is family court. Unfortunately, with with additional communication with this person, I've since learned that the time limit for appeals has passed, so the opportunity to appeal that ruling is not an option. So the question is, what do you do? What do you do next? Do you give up? 
And that was the question that was presented to me. You know, what, what is my next move? What do I do? Do I walk away? Is it okay to walk away? I think there is a time where walking away is, a, is an appropriate response that we don't have any choice anymore. And it's either that or drive yourself completely mad. Now, as I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, that depends on a lot of specifics. It depends on where, where you are emotionally. And it really depends on the relationship that you have with your child. Any long-term listener of this channel and this podcast will know I often say, or I often go back to, how is it when you are with your child one-on-one, without influence of the ex, without the watchful eye of some, some flying monkey, how is the relationship? I think that is such a fundamentally important question that everybody at some point loses sight of. And I fall into that category. That happened to me. I got into the mode to where I couldn't see the those indicators in front of my face. And what happens whenever you fall into that trap? Well, I'll tell you what happened with me is you get anxious, you get nervous, you get stressed, your kids feel it, your kids see it, and they start to withdraw. They start to make that reality that you have in your head come true. But if you can take a pause and look at those moments in time and realize that you are, you still do have a connection with your child, that is the key. Now, I understand that talking about specifics, that sometimes that's not the case. There have been a handful of people on this channel, maybe a little bit more than that, where they didn't have a glimmer of hope with their child, that when they were one-on-one privately, the child was still lashing out, probably as a result of parental alienation, but nonetheless, they're still lashing out. So what do you do? You have to look at the specifics of your situation. You have to look at it objectively. You have to remove some of the emotional, not baggage, but the emotional, uh, your emotions to it. It is critical that you do that because if you don't, like I just mentioned, you will fall into this trap where you are thinking everything is lost. You're hyper-focused on any time your child does something that makes you think that you've lost them. Look at the time that you have with them one-on-one. If you have a glimmer of hope where you're with them, I don't care if it's just a couple of hours, one day a week or every other week, if you one-on-one have an interaction with them that is positive, that feels loving, that may, that they feel calm, that is critical. Focus on that. That is the little bit of glimmer of hope 
that is critically important to your overall success on this. Your ex is going to do everything in their power to make you give up and quit. That is their goal. They will do that by trying to crush anything and everything that's important to you and trying to make you feel that there's no hope. Sometimes they succeed. I'm not saying that it's not possible for them to turn every, everyone, manipulate everything, and to ultimately make your child feel like they have to treat you like complete garbage. If you guys remember the podcast that I did with John Steinbeck from Brainwashing Children, I think it's episode two. I'll put a link in the description in the show notes. He is, he's an expert at dealing with parental alienation as a survivor of it, as somebody who was able to recognize what was going on and make a lot of changes in his approach with his own son that ultimately resulted in salvaging the relationship. He lost in family court. He asked for reasonable things, for reasonable accommodations for his work, and it was denied. He had one of the worst-case scenarios, and he was still able to turn it around. None of this is easy. My situation wasn't easy. John's situation wasn't easy. The person that, that emailed me this is in the midst of dealing with this, and it's obviously not easy. All of these situations seriously push us to our breaking points. We get into the position, well, we get into a position we never, ever ever expected to be. You ultimately have to do what is right for you. Now, if your specifics and your situation demonstrates that your child has been turned, then you have to you have to make a decision that keeps you going. Now, in this particular situation, I, I hope that the person will fight pro se, try to, to do some things, because his fear, in this and more in this email, is that his ex is going to ultimately push to move out of state. And with that initial victory, it obviously makes that a little bit, uh, a little bit more plausible. And honestly, that was what was I that is what I was told when I started my my divorce and separation. When my attorney sat down with me, he said, Hey, Dwayne, here's the deal. The closer you get to 50-50, the less of an opportunity your ex is going to have to leave the state of California. If you get weekends or you get anything, you know, you, as you start reducing that time back, it makes it easier to co- to go back to court and make the argument that, hey, he only gets to see the children for 20% of the time. So standard visitation, move, standard move-away visitation to where you, you get the holidays and you get the, the, uh, the summer break 
that'll be sufficient. And you guys know that that much time away is going to wreak serious havoc. But that was what I was looking at. Again, that scenario is basically what John Steinbeck was talking about on his, that he talks about on his channel and on his, uh, his Facebook group and what we discussed in that podcast. So even in that situation, it's not an insurmountable, insurmountable thing. Here's what I'll tell you from my personal experience as an alienated child from my own father. I wanted a relationship with him. I wanted him to want me. I wanted him to want to spend time with me. I wanted to be important in his in his world, in his life. Unfortunately, the alienation was severe. My mother was phenomenal at uh, painting that story. And then my dad would just walk into what basically doing what my mom said he would do. In retrospect, after looking at it from my own personal situation of what I'm going through, I understand what he was doing. When your child is boop, poking you in the eye on a constant basis, basically telling you that you're a piece of crap, there's only so much you can take. So what did my, what did my dad do? He backed off. He didn't push it. He didn't try to spend time with me. He, he was building up his own defenses, and I understand it, to, to maintain his own sanity and to survive. The key is being able to maintain that connection with our, with our children. It doesn't matter if it ultimately turns out to be a few weeks in the summer. John has a complete series where he talks about how to use that limited amount of time to slowly start to undo the parental alienation. And anybody who's going through this knows this is really, really tough. Because you're dealing, you're not just dealing with, okay, I'm going to sit here and, and I'll see Johnny for a couple of weeks during the summer and I'll see him during Christmas and, and we'll be able to work on those little bit of time and I'll maximize that. You don't, you don't walk into that with that, that, that feeling of, of, yeah, I got this. You walk into it angry, frustrated, disappointed. You walk into it with a tremendous amount of stress and bitterness, rightfully so, because you should, none of us should ever be in this situation. It shouldn't happen. But unfortunately, sometimes, oftentimes, it does. You've heard me discuss in the past in other videos talking about focusing on the war, focusing on not just the individual battles, but the bigger picture. Focusing on not today, but those little micro victories that you can achieve that add up over time that get you to where you want to go. The timeline on this is short. I'm sorry. What I mean is, it seems like it's short, but the timeline on this is actually really long. We think that we have to have all of those victories immediately. And when you are in that mindset, you make mistakes. You 
are focused on the now. You're focused on the victories or the defeats that you have today, and you're not looking at the long term. I get it. I did the same thing. I nearly torpedoed my entire situation because every day seemed like another loss. And in a lot of ways, there was a lot of losses. Sometimes in, 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 sometimes in war, you start to lose the battles. You, you make mistakes. You try things they don't work. But you learn from those mistakes, you recover from those mistakes, and you readdress it. Okay, I know I'm getting a little off you know, in, in a metaphor term on this. What does this really mean in our situations? It means keeping your sanity so you don't lose your mind and you don't lose your perseverance. And the second part is, is you maintain your connection as best you can with your child. And if that has completely failed, then you focus on your own sanity and you don't allow the other person to destroy your life. At the end of the day, we get to choose whether we pick ourselves back up or we don't. One of the analogies I used in my response to this person, and this is something that I've often thought about in my own personal situation, is there are people who are in prison for false allegations. Not necessarily on our thing, but, but there have been people who have been in situations where their freedom is limited, where they can go, what they can do, and they survive. We're in a situation that's still really difficult. But at the end of the day, we get to get up in the morning, you know, go to a job. Maybe we don't like the job, but I mean, it's like you get to start to rebuild your life. Maybe that's not a great analogy, but, but this, is, is, this is something that I had to think through or I thought about a lot when I was going through mine. I also thought there was another time when I was in basic training in the United States Air Force where I had, I had really bad blisters. This is going to follow me for a second on this story. So the shoes and the boots did not work well with me. And it was causing lots of problems. And I remember one point, one of the TIs, that's what we call them in the Air Force, technical instructors, as opposed to, as opposed to drill instructors, I'm not sure, in the Army, I'm not sure what they call them in the, in the Marine Corps. But I had somebody come up to me and said, hey, Airman Duane, that looks pretty bad. I could send you to, to uh, the medical aid station, send you to the doctor, and more than likely they will hold you back, recycle you is what they call it in the Air Force whenever you, uh, you basically go back a week or two where you just pause. They'll get you better and you can start with a new flight and finish. Or, as she looked me right in the eye, if you think that you can handle it and just see how things go, we'll just, we'll just wait and see. Fortunately, that was one of those times in my life where I actually was able to see through or see what and hear the underlying message. And I was like, you know, Sergeant so-and-so, I, 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 think I'll, I think I'll wait. I think I'll try it. And what, what uh, they ended up doing is they put me on every time there was a march, every time there was PT, physical training, 
They're like, Airman Dwayne, you're gonna you're gonna be the dorm guard. I'm like, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And it worked. I mean, I was able to get through it. And then during the march, during the uh, during the during the parade, and it was painful. I'm like, you know what? There have been people, there have been service members who have been locked in lion cages for years. I think I can muster a couple of hours of pain. And I just stepped right into it. What I'm saying is, is that it's all about perspective. It's all about how you frame what you're going through, what you look at it. It's about having that, that hope within you that helps keeps you going. Some people, it's religion. Some people, it's just their belief systems. It, it, whatever it is, you have to dig deep to persevere and get through this. And this is one of the most difficult things you can ever go through. I'm not talking about what the story I was just talking about with the Air Force. I'm talking about this whole thing with family court. It is a really seriously complicated thing. Your entire world has been ripped apart. Your finances are ripped apart. Your relationships with people have been just flipped upside down, the relationships with your children. But oftentimes what drives us over the edge is focusing so much, so much on what is today, what is going on right now. And when that happens, when you get into that mode where you're looking at that, when you're focused on, well, Dwayne, but this is what's happening today, you lose sight of what's of the, of the bigger picture. You lose sight of what's going to happen tomorrow, a month from now, a year from now, 15 years from now. The other story I shared with this person is that of an acquaintance of mine who went through a bad divorce many, many years ago, decades ago. Actually, it's two stories because there's one of a friend of mine and one of, of his, acquaint- or his friend who's an acquaintance of mine. But what happened in the acquaintances situation is whenever the family court system said, you know, you don't get time with your kids, you have limited time, and you owe X. And he's like, like most of us, it's like, are you kidding me? That number is insane. So he played games with it. He started working overtime. And against the advice of other people, because he knew better. So he worked extra to make up the difference. Probably also doing things to try to demonstrate to his ex that he was doing just fine. That that number wasn't that big of a deal. And I'm not saying that... I, I think if there was a narcissist in this relationship, it probably was him. But what ended up happening is they went back to court. That was brought up. The judge looked at it and said, hey, wait a minute. You made an extra ton of money. He's like, well, yeah, but that was overtime. Well, it doesn't matter. You made extra money. So he increased the child support. He increased the support payments. Now the person's in a situation to where they have to work the overtime to barely make ends meet. So what did he do? Because he knew better. He got laid off from his job. It's like, well, I'll just lose my job and there won't be any money. Which is true. But that's not the way family court works. What happened to him is he went back to court. 
And the judge basically said, um, you're underemployed. I'm going to give you a month to get your to get an equivalent job back making what you were making. I'll put this month in arrears and we'll just keep tacking it on. And it, it started a snowball effect that fundamentally changed this guy's life. He was a veteran with a good job, with a security clearance. All of that got washed away. As soon as you start falling into that trap, it washes away. Then as a result of that, he ends up in felony arrears, arrest, you know, uh, warrants for his arrest. Licenses get suspended. Services are no longer available because he's on this special list. And decades go by and he has fundamentally changed the direction of his life. The other person in this story, the other friend that I was talking about, the actual friend of mine, just hunkered down. Of course, he was angry about his situation. His ex and her new husband were as close to evil as you could possibly get. Took his daughter away from him. He didn't even see her for for years because they were in the military and PCS overseas and stuff. So it just it just didn't didn't happen. But he persevered. He kept plugging along. Now he's at a situation where his child is an adult, is married, has her own children. He has a great relationship with her. He has a great relationship with his grandkids. And he is doing okay. He was able to muscle through this, persevere through this, and have, you know, a decent life, a good, a good stable job, good benefits, you know, able to do some things he wants to do. And he was able to recover. That's the long game. That's somebody that looks at this and says, how do I win the war? Not how do I win a battle? How do I strike back? How do I, how do I quit my job so that the ex doesn't have any money? And I'll show her how it's the difference between someone saying, I'm going to hunker down and yes, this is going to suck and this isn't what I ever wanted my life to be, but I'm going to fight for me. I'm going to fight to survive. I'm going to fight to make sure that I come out of this better on the other side. And what, what I will tell you from my personal experience, from my own personal life and through this channel, most of the time, the toxic ex, the toxic parent implodes on themselves. We don't, it generally doesn't happen in the way we want to see it. It generally doesn't happen quickly. It generally doesn't happen where they're, you know, they're pulled in front in, in the town square and everybody gets to point their finger at them and say, I know what you are. That's not typically how it happens. Typically what happens is, is the kids get older, they realize what happened. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, that anger and frustration on what was stolen from them, the child, is played out against that parent. The, the child realizes that this nightmare of a situation was a direct result of one person, not two. That one person drove this into the pit of hell 
and cause this to be as complicated as possible. Now, just to be clear, that's not always the way it happens. Sometimes we can do everything right, and maybe our kids will just say, you know what, I never knew the person, I don't care. I've seen that too. The thing is, you have to go on with your life and you have to find a way to survive this. And if there is one F you back to your ex, it's at the end of the day, smiling, saying, you know what? You tried to destroy me. You gave it your best shot. You did a pretty good job, but it didn't work. And I've rebuilt and I'm happy and I'm happy without you. I know I kind of went into a diatribe on that and I'm a little bit off topic, but I think it's an important message to throw out there. Before you make a decision to throw in the towel, to say, you know what, like in this particular situation in that email, the, the comment was, I'm ready to just give over custody, relinquish my rights and just say, have a nice life and walk away. Give yourself time before you make that decision. As I mentioned in the early parts of this podcast, this is a long process, which means there is absolutely zero reason to make any major fundamental changes today. Give yourself time to really think about it, to brainstorm on it, to chat with other people. When I did get the email back from this person, they said they talked to a longtime friend and they gave him a perspective that reinvigorated their, their fight and got them back on track. And that right there, that right there is the key and things can change. Your perspective can change. I hope you can look at this and say, okay, you know, I need to take a step back Really think about it, not in the moment, not in this particular moment, but take a step back and look at it big picture and say, okay, how does this current situation feed into the overall long-term picture of this? The, the final note I just want to mention is if I, if I go back and I look at the things that my own father did, he got focused on the immediate. He wasn't looking at that war because he couldn't see it anymore. He, he felt completely defeated. Keep in mind, we're talking, what, 30, 40 years ago. It wasn't like he could jump on YouTube or, you know, find information to really deep dive into this to give him, to give him some, uh, some hope or different perspective. He was basically doing this a lot of it on his own. And any of us who have been influenced by the people around us, we know that most of the time, like 90% of the time, maybe even 95% of the time, those people that are around us do not generally give us the best advice. They give us the advice to just let it go or let it go. And, you know, 15 years from now, your child will come back around, you know, I mean, and it's just that that's unhelpful. That doesn't help you. There are some active steps that you can do. Check out that podcast I did with John. It's really good. And I think it'll be a, a eye opener. And, uh, I will uh, chat with you guys on the next podcast, next video. 
If you have some comments on this, please leave them in the comments below, and I'll catch you on the next one. If you enjoyed this podcast and all that we do here, consider becoming a patron. Every little bit helps, and your support can help make future podcasts and videos possible. Find out more at www.patreon.com slash DSD Dwayne.